Don't you wish you were lucky? Don't you wish you could win a million dollars? I'm gonna say no. You don't want to wish to be lucky, you want to wish to be average. And today's episode, I'm going to show you why. We're going to take a dive into safety systems and use that to explain basically why I'm saying what I'm saying. Stay tuned. This is the Engineering IRL Podcast, a place for engineers in the real world. We try to break down engineering concepts and figure out how to apply them to real life. Let's become better problem solvers, better engineers. This is your host, Andrew Sario. Let's begin. Shoutouts for this episode goes to Paolo Sario, Keith Lamb, and Ashley Moore. Thanks for being part of the Engineering IRL community. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sario Dev Show, Engineering IRL, where I take you through engineering concepts and teach you how to apply them in real life. Now today's a special episode, it's Revision 30. We made it. 30 episodes I think is a nice uh, little milestone and so today's episode will actually be one of the chapters that will be included in the book, the one that I'm hoping to release by the end of the year. It'll be uh, 14 engineering rules for life and this chapter it's about not wishing to be lucky. Okay, and we actually delve into uh, safety systems to, to open up with. So start from there, just to give some context, because some people may not know t- too much about it. But you can think of a, you can think of for any given control system, we're trying to control a process that is occurring, and for any given process where there's a lot of potential, okay, so potential energy, then there's a lot of uh, risk, and with the risk comes potential for harm to humans, to the process, to money, to the company, to image, all that sort of stuff. And in some scenarios, it is necessary to work with processes that are high risk. And because of this, a safety system needs to be put in place or needs to be considered. So for your safety system, what it tries to do is, at the end of the day, you may run into some sort of fault, a fault state. Something can go wrong in your process that's trying to run. and in that process, in the event that it does fail. So obviously you design your system to run and run redundantly and not to fail. But we also as engineers design for when the system does fail. We assume that, assuming it fails, how will it fail? What will the system do? And that's where we put in system trips, okay? So you trip the system so that it uh, basically uh, faults into a state that, that is manageable. Right? We control how it fails, essentially. We put it in a state so that it's it's safe. And even though that kills the production and kills the process, you're re- usually triggering something a, a trip event because something dangerous is, is appearing to uh, occur or may occur soon. And now, if you remember back to the control systems episode, everything about the system is feeding information. We've got sensors, we've got devices, we've got other multiple devices that are monitoring the process. And if, for example, we just use a tank example, to keep things simple, you know, we usually monitor on a tank filling up because it shouldn't overflow or it shouldn't get empty. And so as a tank is approaching its limits, there are warnings in place so that a an operator can go in and take some manual action to relieve the situation, to address the situation. So whether it's draining the tank, whether it's making sure the supply into the tank is stopped, or whether it is because it's becoming low to open a valve to fill it up, for example. 
Now, in the event where that fails or an operator doesn't get there in time or something like this, the system is going to fail, i.e. the tanks are going to overflow or pressure will increase in the tank or it's completely empty and a process further down doesn't have any water. And let's say that's the case and that's a trip event in this scenario. Then a trip happens, the process stops and then nothing's going to ask for water and all the other systems that are running will go to a safe state. Okay, so that's the job of the safety system. It's kind of like when you look at a car and a seatbelt, you don't design your cars to crash per se right your your cars are designed to drive but in the event of a crash you've got your seatbelt in place you've got your airbags in place for the event where you do crash and obviously that's not a safe state right but it's a safer state we're just mitigating the risk all right so that's your safety system it's monitoring the same control system so the control system is making sure the process runs the safety system makes sure that it's running smoothly and will also determine when to trigger a trip now we, how we determine what requires a safety system is we look at a few things and if you're studying engineering you hopefully would have crossed by this uh, risk matrix but essentially you look at the likelihood of an event occurring and you look at the um, the impact of that event and you assign it a risk rating so for example let's say that tank overflowing the likelihood of that occurring let's say it's low because you have a control system in place right but you have to also consider how often that tank is in use or how often that's running so let's say let's say there's a 50 percent chance it overflows but that tank's only running half of the year it's actually a 20 25% chance. Like it's like you multiply by the system running in the first place. And you try to come up with a number that, that tells you like, does it fail one in 10 years? Once a year? One in 10 years? One in a hundred year event? Like how rare is this event that has occurred? And then you multiply that by the impact. So, you know, an event may occur all the time that's a little risky, but the impact really is like a, I don't know, like you can brush off the shoulder. So the risk is still low because the impact is low. The damage is low. And what you do is, if something happens frequently, then you hope that, then you find ways that when it occurs that there's no damage. So that brings the risk rating down. Or the other way to bring a risk rating down is, let's say something's very dangerous, it's someone will die if this occurs. You put in your controls to make sure that the likelihood that that happens is like a 1 in 10,000 year event, okay? And there's many ways to measure like the, the impact and it could be human damage, right? So if you're doing um, your JSEAs and stuff, that's usually more geared towards human, like health and risks to human safety. But you also can look at the system from a financial. If this production, if this process stops, it costs the company a million dollars or two million dollars or whatever it is. Or there's image impacts. There's, there's many ways to skip the, the whole point is you look at a system, you determine what could go wrong, right? You look at it and it sounds pessimistic, but you need to look at what can go wrong. And you determine how bad that is and how likely that can happen then you assign a then you get a uh, risk rating and then that determines which things in your system need to take action and which things also require a safety system in place okay and what level of safety you know how how much safety just a seatbelt seatbelt and airbag roll cage like what are we doing cool so we got a safety system when we think about it now we've got for every known uh for for the known scenario where the system runs the system is efficient it's controlled by a control system or habit for every known state that the system may fail we have a safety system in place so we're also happy we're safe and happy because for every known fault that we've accounted for everything that we could go wrong the system the safety system will keep us safe so you've got the control system for the known running processes and the happy state you've got the safety system for the known bad states but there are 
are such thing as spurious events. Okay, there's some events that may occur that we haven't detected. Undetected faults. Faults we're not expecting. Of course, we can't predict everything, right? You can't exactly prepare for what you don't know, right? So it happens. We, we have, we control what we can, but there are things that we can control. Now, if you remember when I was circling back to what this episode was about, it was called, uh, don't wish to be lucky, right? Don't wish to be lucky. And the reason is, I mean, you might think that someone else is lucky. You know, they won, they won the lotto. They won a million dollars. What a lucky guy. What a lucky gal. And the reason why I say don't wish for luck is because what really is lucky? When you think about a safety system and an event that happened in a, let's say where we, you know, one of those one in 10,000 year events occur, right? We've controlled, you know, something has a high impact, but we know it happens once in 10,000 years. What if that once in 10,000 years thing happened? You know, what if you are lucky enough to get that one in 10,000 year event? But it's not appropriate to use the word lucky because obviously we're saying this is a failure event. This is a bad event. But I mean, it's lucky, right? It's, it's, so what is luck? To me. Okay, so luck is, what is it? The odds that a rare event will occur. Luck is the odds that a rare event will occur. So if I'm saying that luck is simply the odds at which a rare event will occur, whether it's good or bad is kind of determined afterwards. It's subjective, actually. Now you may say, okay, but you know, sometimes you're lucky and a good event happens, i.e. I won the million, uh, I won a million dollars, and sometimes a rare event occurs and it's an unlucky event, you're diagnosed with some disease. Only happens one in, you know, in a quarter of a percent of humans. You got the rare event to occur, but you're unlucky. But unlucky is kind of an interesting word as well, because you think if I'm not lucky, if I'm average, I'm unlucky. And you can also say, well, let's say there's a, uh, an array of rare events that occur. Being lucky is the, is the, the, the getting the ones that are good out of that. So let's say there's, you know, a thousand rare events that can occur in your lifetime and 500 good ones. There are 500 good ones and 500 bad ones, and you got to get 500 good ones uh, is not a one in 500 chance. It's, uh, sorry, to get a good event, it's not a one in 500 event. It's a one in 1000 event. So that's why it's lucky. It's even luckier because a rare event and it's good, which is fine. I get it. But my problem and yeah, my issue with that is a good event, like whether something's good or bad is subjective and can change dependent on time. Is it good if you want a million dollars, right? Say, let's, let's all agree a rare event has occurred. You're lucky. It's a million dollars. Are you lucky? Yes. What if the, that winning of a million dollars directly led to your entire family dying the next day? I mean, it wasn't that lucky, right? But you might say, oh, but that was one lucky event followed by an even unluckier event afterwards. True, maybe. But the thing is with all these uh, lucky events, these rare events, it's not in your control, okay? So you don't want to wish for things out of your control. What you do want to wish for is average, right? Think of a bell curve. You want to be right in that band. And the reason why is because the, if you're wishing for it, that means it's given to you. You have no choice. What you want to be is in control. Like the effort you put in determines those rare events occurring for you. You don't exercise enough and you eat like crap and you get some bad health condition. That was at least your control. It wasn't some lucky event. A rare thing occurred, but it was your doing. Same with your success. You've put in everything, every control necessary, all the effort, all the hustle, all the work, all those late hours, all those sacrifices, and a good rare event occurs. People say you're lucky, but really you weren't. You controlled it. This is why I say don't wish for luck. Wish for average, and you be the arbitrage. You be the difference between having that average life and rare events occur, and hopefully good ones. With that being said, I'm going to leave it right there. 
I'm pretty happy with this uh, topic as a chapter that'll go into the book. Um, I think it's a pretty cool concept and thinking about where you should focus your energy and efforts to control, control your life, not relying on, on hoping for lucky events. And also, it, it's kind of... Um, hits home for me because there was a long longest period of time where I would focus on trying to get trying to be like above not I didn't like when I was average and then there was a few health scenarios and other events that occurred in my life where I, I remember wishing I was average I don't want this rare occur rare occurrence that this negative thing will happen I just want to be the average people when you look at the doctor's statistics they're not saying, you know, you're lucky, you're healthy or anything like that. They look at the percentages at which this health event occurs in humans. That's it. Are you one of the people that are lucky enough to be below or above that line? They just look at it as a rarity. So it's something to reflect about, something to think about, and something you can actually directly take from the, you know, from a safety systems engineering concept and apply to real life. And that's kind of one of the core pieces of this. Um, I don't know if you're starting to notice the categories come in, but Essentially, it's anything career improvement, anything, you know, general engineering, and then all the concept stuff that we try to do for, for overall improvement. Like always, if you want to get in contact with the show, please, the, uh, I, the sariodev.com website is up and running now. Um, sariodev.com forward slash engineering IRL has the form if you want to submit a question. Next episode is actually a question from, uh, is a listener question. Um, so that one will be good. And then also follow the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash engineer IRL. And the most important thing is to remember to share it, right? We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, Anchor, all sorts of platforms. There's a YouTube channel. You can go to the YouTube channel. Anywhere that you get content, have a look for us. I'll be putting out stuff. This is all free. So, you know, I just do this in my spare time, kind of like a hobby. But because I'm in, in engineering and I do a lot of reading and things like that, it's always a topic that's on my mind and I always wanted to do this. But of course, support and feedback helps bring that back, right? Helps me with direction. And that's it. With that being said, please enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe. Bonus section. This is a question that came in from Patrick Ologbomero. And it's focused on what is the best way to approach an engineer? Let's say you want to learn about their company. And at the moment, the answer is, and, and you don't know them, obviously. And at the moment, the best social medium is LinkedIn because that's the professional place. This is just from my perspective. It'd be weird seeing it from a, uh, from one of my like kind of personal accounts. So LinkedIn's the place and Obviously, you can just cold try to message them and connect and see how that goes. But what I recommend as well is kind of following what they're saying. You know, if they're a person that's posting or making some comments or something like that, you can open with referring to that specific thing that they posted. Maybe they posted an article or they made some comments and you say, hey, I read that thing that you were saying about this and I thought it was really cool because whatever. Okay, be genuine about it. Read their actual thing that they posted. Maybe they wrote a little article. Read it and maybe give some kudos or some feedback about that episode, they'll appreciate that. And if they respond, now is a good opportunity to bring up, hey, look, you know, I was, I'm looking for whatever position. I just wanted to know what it's like in your company or what, whatever your question may be. But that way you've kind of given them something first, right? You're not just cold asking for things. And that may work as well, just straight up asking. It could work. You never know. But you don't also don't want to come off as spam. So that's why I recommend taking a, a further look and kind of giving them something back. It's kind of this jab, jab, right hook kind of mentality. And I think doing something like this, you can build this relationship first. Maybe they're on, find out what other socials they're on. 
and maybe that's the best way to interact with them. But if they're putting stuff out, the best way is to provide them feedback on what they are putting out. And once they get, you get that response from them, then your, that's your opening. You're not just some random now asking questions. All right. Hopefully that helps someone out, you know, out there. That's definitely the way that I think is a better approach from my perspective. I've used things like that before, reaching out to different type of people and different engineers in the industry. And I find that to be most effective, especially long term. Like if you're just asking a query and they're a sales guy, obviously just ask, right? Direct request for quote. But if you're trying to build a relationship, this is a nice way of kind of going about it. If you get any value from this podcast, please remember to share it, like it, subscribe to it, um, let someone know, share it with another engineer. And also, if you want to be part of it and you want to submit your question, you know what we're finding is that there's more and more uh, episodes that I have queued up based on the questions. You can submit it at facebook.com forward slash engineer IRL. And the website now is coming up. So that's sariodev.com forward slash engineering IRL. There's a form to submit your questions. And lastly, if you've listened this far into the podcast, just so you know, I will be doing a giveaway very, very soon. And the giveaway most likely will be the third book, which will be the second engineering for kids book title. This is the first time I'm announcing it, but it's going to be really cool. The animations will be cool. And if you, if you, if you want to justify why you're an engineer, this is the one to have. I'll probably do something like, cause I really want to reward the OGs that are listening to this. So it'll be, let's lock it in. It's the first five uh, questions submitted through the form on the website. Those five people, those first five people, will get a free copy of the book. Shh, secret giveaway. Let's go, do this. If you guys want to be part of the shout out rounds at the beginning of the podcast, join in at the uh, Facebook page facebook.com forward slash engineer IRL and look out for the episode announcement uh, posts and then there'll be instructions there how you can be part of the next shout outs.